Happy April 16th! This is the day. This, this is, is the day. day. This, this is, is the day, day that the Lord has made. Did you know that? Rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> Also, thank you for joining us. We encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community mm. and the support oh. that you have been hoping for. Mm -hmm. Would you stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.15 mm -hmm. or 10.45 Two great times. a.m. on Sundays? Mm -hmm. We'd love to meet you. We sure would. We hope that you will find Echo to be your place, your people, and your, your purpose. purpose. Yes. It can all be found in one space. It's what we are all looking for. Uh, also, we have a big announcement to tell you. It's big. It's huge. No service next Sunday because of a scheduling conflict in this space, but no big deal okay. because I have some better plans for okay, you. Okay. It's what we are calling Stoke the Fire. It's our first ever worship and encounter night. I love the flame noises. Yes. Y-W-N-W-T-M-I. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Yeah, it will be at Dakota Middle School mm -hmm. at 6 p.m. next Saturday. Yes. And yes, we will have our normal children's classes for that evening. Of course. Of course. We want to say thank you for your generosity. We see the value of reminding you mm -hmm. weekly to take a moment by the end of service today and ask God how you can make a difference with your finances. Would you ask God what you should give today? You can donate by heading to our website or Venmo us at We Are the Echo Church. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Enjoy the rest of Echo Service.
Amazing Pastor Andy thought it would just be hilarious to make us flip open the Bible and do like one of these and then like have to preach on it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever spoken in front of people before, but like that's not ideal. Okay. Um, but I thought, you know, I could, I, could, I could rock with it. Like I did some improv in high school. So um, we're going to just see what the Lord has for you. Start praying now, saints. Okay. I'm going to go here, not here, and I'm going to go here. David defeats the, I'm talking about David today. David defeats the Ammonites. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became king. That's it. That's all I got. It's just the one verse. Um, You really missed out last service. It was um, about how Jezebel was eaten by dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been really fun to preach on. Um, But no, we're not. We're actually not going to do that. Um, We're also in the middle of 21 days of fasting and praying. So if you don't know what that means, fasting, basically you're just cutting something out of your life to make you more reliant on God. And we gave everyone these awesome little handouts called the daily. And on there had scripture for us to all be reading together as a church body. It had a character of God that we wanted everyone to focus on. And then kind of like a prayer prompt. Okay. So if you started with us with that, you'd be on the 13th day. All right, so day 13, and the character of God we're focusing on is God is intimate. And our prayer prompt is ask God to grow your passion for him. And our scripture that we're in is Matthew 6, 16. If you want to open up to that, you may, Matthew 6, 16. And it says, when you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. 
that was how they looked fancy, okay? We probably wouldn't do that today. Like, so he's saying, like, take a shower, like, put on your church clothes, okay? Don't let people know you're fasting. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father, who is unseen, and your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We're going to really dive into this last part of verse 18, where it says, but only to your father, who is unseen... And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The character of God is intimate. He wants our hearts. Not a perfect life. He knows better. Read the Old Testament, okay? Even like the great patriarchs of faith, like they were some messy people, all right? That's why he sent Jesus so that we could stop all of this striving and rule abiding and just simply trust that what Jesus did on the cross is always going to be greater than any mistake we could possibly make. Yeah? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for this day. Lord, thank you for just every person that is in this room right now. Lord, help us to set aside our expectations and just be open to whatever it is you have for this space. Help us to be in tune with, with the Holy Spirit Allow us to be open enough for you to do a work in and through us. God, I lay aside any words that I may have preconceived for today, and I just just set them down and surrender to what you have. May I honor you and bring glory to you today. Amen. All right, so when I think about intimacy with God and passion for God, I cannot help but think about King David. And that might be because I've, I've been trying to read the Bible this year from, from beginning to end. And so I've been right in First and Second Samuel, which is like all about David's life. Um, so he's definitely on the forefront of my mind. But um, David was such a passionate man and that constantly sought intimacy um, with the father. And King David was also an underdog. Who loves an underdog? Yeah, come on. We are Americans. We love an underdog story, okay? (laughs) And so does God. um, There's actually several stories in the Bible that um, are center around an underdog. Like I think about Moses, this poor kid. He was just a baby and he gets like thrown into a river in a basket. Like, what are the chances, okay? And then he gets rescued. He grows up. He has a stutter. And the Lord's like, yes, oh, that river boy with the stutter. I'll have him free all my people from slavery that are under the oppression of the most evil Pharaoh known to man, okay? And then you have Joseph, okay? I love Joseph, his sweet little heart. He just wanted to share his dreams. And all of his brothers were so, so jelly, They were so envious because his father loved him so, so much. And their envy drove them mad to the point where they were like, that's it. We're killing him. Get rid of him. And then he had one brother that was like, whoa, let's not kill him. Like, let's just sell him into slavery because that's so much better. So Joseph is sold off into slavery, winds up in prison. But then the Lord turns that around, and Joseph ends up being in charge of all of Pharaoh's land, okay? I don't know if y'all have noticed, but land is money, okay? It was back then, and it is now. So Joseph was basically in charge of all of the Pharaoh's money. Like, this was a big deal. I also love the story of Leah with the sad eyes. That's what I call her. Leah with the sad eyes, okay? And Andy talked about, Pastor Andy talked about this not too long ago, but there was these two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and Rachel was the younger one. It was 
beautiful and real easy on the eyes. And then you had Leah, okay? Leah with the sad eyes. She was the older one that kind of lived her life like this, like, oh, poor me. I'm not as pretty as my sister, and nothing good's ever going to happen to me. And <laughs> but it turns out Leah ends up being in the bloodline of Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? No Leah with the sad eyes, no Jesus? Pretty cool. God loves an underdog. And King David was definitely an underdog. He was a boy of small stature. He hung out around sheep. Like, this kid didn't even have friends. He, you know, he was just surrounded by wool. Um, he was the youngest of eight sons, all right? And when the great prophet Samuel, not me. I know you hear great prophet Samuel, and you're like, she's talking about herself. No, um, great prophet Samuel, like, uh, from First and Second Samuel. Basically, a prophet, what is just you know, because that's kind of Christianese, but it's basically someone that hears from the Lord and then just helps, like, implement God's plan. So, like, he hears, hears from the Lord and then tells people, hey, this is what the Lord, like, has for you. Makes sense, right? Oh, okay, cool, you worried? I thought I lost you. Okay, okay, it makes sense, perfect. So, God says, hey, Samuel, I want you to anoint a son of Jesse to be king of my people. And Samuel's like, yes, sir, right away. So he heads over to the house of Jesse. And he knocks on the door, and he's like, knockety knock, yo, Jesse, I need to anoint one of your sons to be king of Israel. And Jesse looks around, and he's like, oh, yeah, seven out of the eight, that's good. Like, here you go, here's my sons, take your pick. And Samuel looks around, and he sees Jesse's oldest son. And he's like, ooh, that dude is tall and handsome and strong. Like, certainly, that's who the Lord has for his people. And the Lord totally checks him. He's like, Samuel, since when have I cared about all this? I care about a man's heart. And Samuel was like, okay, okay, my bad. I think that was his exact words. And <laughs> so he asked Jesse, like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have any other sons? And Jesse was like, I mean, I have like this... 13-year-old, like, scrawny kid that smells like sheep. Like, you, you, you want me to grab him? You know, and Samuel's like, yes. So he brings in David, and Samuel anoints David to be king of God's people. It was what people did not see in David that made him worthy to be king, right? It had nothing to do with the outside appearance. It had to do with his heart, it had to do with the fact that while he was surrounded by sheep, he was actually communing with God the entire time, right? He was, he was grieving to God. He was lamenting to God. He was celebrating with, with God. He was, having, he was in constant communication with his father. He sought intimacy with God. I have a big idea for you today. Okay, you ready? If you're taking notes, now's the time to do it. Jot it down. Text a friend, okay? Big idea. What is done in secret will always be brought to light. It's up to us to decide what is revealed. We serve an intimate God. And what we see with King David is his pursuit of God in the unseen, his pursuit of God in the secret, right, is then displayed as passion for God in the seen. We're going to dig into a story uh, about King David in 2 Samuel. So flip on back to the Old Testament. We're starting in 2 Samuel 6. All right, 2 Samuel 6, we're starting at verse 14. And this is after David has become king. So we're fast-forwarding 
many years from when he was anointed at just the ripe age of 13, okay? Verse 14 says, wearing a linen ephod, which I'll teach you, because I'm going to guess you didn't know like I did what the heck an ephod is, but it's a, it's a priestly garment, okay? It's what the priests wore, all right? So he had, he's dressed as a priest. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Yeah, he was. Oh. Me and David would get down. I know it. Okay? So he's wearing a priestly garment. He's dancing before the Lord with all of his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. Okay. So this is going to mean diddly squat to probably most of us. So I'm going to just kind of dig in here for a second. Ark of the Lord. Reason this is exciting. It carried the presence of God. So you couldn't just access the presence of God at any point in time like we can today. Like, let's be honest. We're kind of spoiled little brats. Like, we get it all the time, okay? They couldn't do that back in the day. So the ark carried the Lord's presence. So David is celebrating and dancing and has music playing because he's like, yes, the presence of God is finally coming into my city. It's going to bless my city. It's going to bless his people. He's pumped about it, right? Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. Something to note. Saul was king before David. Saul's kingdomship ended poorly, to say the least, okay? Um, it, was, it was not cute, all right? McCall, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in his heart. Woof. Now, before we get too judgy on McCall, let's be honest, we've all been there, Okay? We all have our favorite way that we like to worship the Lord, or we like to see how church is done, and when somebody does it different, we get a little judgy, right? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, what is happening over there? Okay, why are they shouting at me? Why are they so quiet? Why are they reading so much Bible? How come they're not explaining this? Why is that girl in pants? Why are there no women? Why da da da? Right? Like we all we've all got our judginess, okay? So let's just pause, all right, and accept that we can all be McCall sometimes. Verse 17. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. This just means worship, okay? That's all he's talking about. The burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, it was just all ways of worshiping God. David is just doing everything he can to honor God's presence as it enters his city. 18. After he had finished sacrificing burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. He gave them a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went into their homes. He did an Oprah. He was like, you get a cake and you get a cake and you get a raisin and you get some bread. Okay, like he was pumped. David was doing everything he could to celebrate the amazing presence of God. Yeah? When David returned home to bless his household, McCall, daughter of Saul, here she comes again, McCall, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, I love this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the first sarcastic comment made in the Bible, guys. So if you're like a sarcasm fan like myself, I just maybe highlight this, okay? All right. <laughs> she says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half naked in full view of slave girls and his servants as any vulgar feller would. (laughs) 
It's like very housewives. Like, can you not picture like real housewives somewhere? Okay, <laughs> like she is just, cannot believe his behavior. David, he puts McCall in her, in her place. I'm gonna be honest, okay? He says, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become, listen here, I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. David was unafraid to be undignified and humiliated because his passion for the Lord was so great. And his passion was only so great because he sought intimacy with God. And I know words like passion and intimacy, like they're not spoken of a whole lot in, in the church. Uh, you know, we're, we're conservative folk up here in Minnesota, okay? You like want to just keep, I want everything right like this, and I'm just going to do them like this, and we can't like anything out of the box that makes us a little uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> but I promise that everyone in this room has a passion for something, okay? We, we were made to be passionate human beings, and whatever it is that you have a passion for, it most certainly controls some part of your life, if not all of your life. David Foster Wallace, he's an American novelist, he says this, everyone worships something. Whatever it is, it will control you. This man's not even a Christian. Like we don't, I mean, we don't think. He never spoke of Jesus or the Bible or anything. Okay, but he, even he understood. And he, he continues on. He says, you worship looks, you will never feel attractive enough. You worship money, you will never have enough. You worship sex, you will always feel unknown and lonely, the opposite of intimacy. You worship power, you will feel weak and afraid. You worship intellect, and you will feel stupid and a fraud, always being afraid of being found out. Listen, none of these things on this list are on their own bad. Okay, I'm not saying that. Like, I like to look good. Like once a week, I like to look good, okay? <laughs> Money, it's a great thing. Makes the world go around. I'm very thankful to have my, my home and my car and shoes on my feet. Like I got all of those things with money, all right? It's not money on its own, right? Not a bad thing. Sex within the biblical standards of sex, a beautiful thing, all right? Power, obviously we need it. You need power to get anything done in this world. Intellect, I'm extremely thankful for intellect. We live in a city of intellect, Mayo Clinic. Hello, it's changed so many lives, right? Because of the pursuit of intellect. But where we have to pause and where we have to just make sure our heart is on track is am I putting these ideas above my worship of God? Am I putting this above my pursuit of God? I mean, take intellect. How many years do we spend in school? How, how much time do we spend studying and researching and specializing in all these different things and we can't even give God one hour a week? Oh, I'll tell you, you're definitely not going to be passionate about God. The beautiful thing about worshiping God versus these other areas is that when you worship God, you don't need looks. When you worship God, you don't need money, you don't need power, you don't need intellect. When you worship God, you are so immersed in love that is so, so great that nothing else matters. 
All you feel are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruits of the Spirit. I got fruits of the Spirit. Anybody? Those are the fruits of the Spirit. I know my Echo kids know that one. I name them and I claim them. I got fruits of the Spirit. Oh, you know I'm going to sing it. I got love way down deep. I got joy overflowing. I got peace covering me. I got patience even when I got to pee. I got kindness for everybody. I've got goodness even for my enemies. I've got faithfulness for eternity. I've got gentleness when the world is crazy. And last but not least, I got self-control growing on this tree. Fruits of the spirit. I got fruits of the spirit. (laughs) I name them and I claim them. I got fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) Timothy Keller says, if you understand the gospel, there will be dancing and rejoicing. I am unafraid to humiliate myself in front of you singing the fruits of the spirit. I'm unafraid to get into a blow up donkey costume and deflate in front of the stage. Okay, I don't know if any of you caught that for Christmas. It was a good time. All right, there's nothing that I want more in my life than to chase after the goodness of God, to worship him above all else. Because if there's anything that my 33 years on this beautiful earth has taught me is that this world is fallible, okay? We, you don't, you think you have control, you don't have control. <laughs> you really don't. Like, it's fun to think you do sometimes, but like, have you ever been around children? Like, you don't have control. Like, you, you just don't. <laughs> and the only thing that we can rely on is the, the goodness of God, the rock of our salvation. I'm gonna give you three handles today, okay? Three things just to hold on to, to mull over, to challenge you, to ask yourself, all right? So we're going to start with number one here. I want you to identify something you put before your relationship with God, okay? And then I want you to replace it with something holy, So something in your life, okay, I'm definitely prioritizing that over my relationship with God. Check, number one. Number two, now I'm going to replace it with something holy. I'll give you some prompts here to kind of help you dig into this. Something to think about, what am I passionate about? Because certainly if you're passionate about something, you, you give it your time, okay? And we really like to um, use the excuse I don't have time for that, like when we're asked to do something. I think specifically in our faith walk, um, whether that's spend time in prayer, open up your Bible, come to church on Sunday, send my teens to youth group on Wednesday, serve at the church. Like, oh, I mean, I can show up to church, but I I got one hour. That's it on my Sunday. Really? What are you doing with the other 23 hours? I'm wondering. Like, hey, I, I get it. I completely get how busy life can be. But when you're passionate about something, your schedule shows it. So if you're thinking, oh, I don't really, I'm not really passionate about anything, Sam. Like, I don't know. Okay, look at your schedule. What does your schedule say you're passionate about? What you spend most of your time doing, those are your passions. 
If you're still stumbling, take a look at your bank statement. We spend money on what we're passionate about. (laughs) I speak to myself, by the way. If you feel like I'm coming down on you right now, this is something I ask myself on the weekly. What did I spend money on this week? What did I spend my time doing this week? It keeps me in check. People get kind of funny about the church asking for money. And you think, man, like they just, all they want is my money. That's all the church wants. They, they just want my money. <laughs> when, in all actuality, God wants your money for your heart, not for his. He's God. He doesn't need your money. Are you kidding? He's fine. He's fine. But it keeps us in check. It keeps our heart calibrated to the Lord of Lords. It keeps our heart calibrated to the things of heaven instead of the things of this earth. Here's a good question. What do those closest to you think you're passionate about? It can be really easy to separate our lives into sections, right? Like, okay, this is church, Sam. This is mom, Sam. This is friend, Sam. This is work, Sam. And everybody gets a little different piece. There's nothing holy about that. And you're just going to end up really, really tired trying to please all these people. And that's not what God has for you. He created you to be a whole person and that same person every day of the week. So ask your coworker, hey, we've been working in this cubicle for two years now. Well, if you were to guess, what do you think I'm passionate about? See what they say. It'll reveal something. All right, that was number one. Number two, bring your burdens and offenses to God before people. Now, this might seem a little left field, but when I look at King David's life, and I see how much he communed with the Father, I feel like over half the time, it's just him like lamenting and grieving and complaining to God, okay? (laughs) Like he was constantly bringing the troubles of his life to his father for for good reason, okay? The man was being like chased by kings and armies and like trying to kill him and like hiding out in caves. Like I get it. I mean, I, I would feel that way too. But what's so beautiful about it is that as he cries out to God, it always ends up with him praising God at the end and feeling the love of a father and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of his heavenly father. And when we can cry out to God, we can actually feel how much he loves us in return. When we cry out and we complain to those around us, we're just putting poison in their hearts. Like it's impossible not to affect people with negativity. And if what you're crying out about is another human being, one of God's creations, You're placing poison in them as well. Or at least how that person you're complaining to thinks about that person. They can't just forget it. And like, we we all need to vent. 
We all get mistreated. We're all broken. Hello. I know I've mistreated people many times in my life. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. But I just challenge you to first, before you open your mouth this way, cry out this way. Just see how it changes your relationship. You'll, you'll notice your thoughts will begin to change on what you think about that situation. Your crappy work life is going to become less crappy. It's going to become an opportunity for you to share the love of Christ and to really wear the joy of Christ everywhere you go. Number three, step out of your comfort zone. For all my Enneagram nines in the room, you're like, no, I love my comfies. Step out of your comfort zone in regards to your relationship with God. Okay, so in regards of how, how you speak to him, how you encounter him. All right, so I'm gonna give you a couple different ways to do this because it's different for everybody, right? We're all built differently. For a lot of you in the room, it's gonna maybe be being more expressive with your worship or your prayer. Okay, maybe it's raising your hands in prayer and just acknowledging like, God, you are in the room. Like you are above me. Maybe it's praying out loud for the first time. Maybe it's praying out loud for the first time in front of someone else. Or maybe you're naturally just expressive and crazy like I am. And so that's not really a challenge, but the challenge for you is to actually still your mind. To silence the noise and to just open your hands and receive from God. So set your timer for two minutes on your phone, two minutes, okay? And just sit in silence. And the second an intrusive thought tries to jump on you or a lie tries to jump on you or a to-do list tries to jump on you, you just say, Jesus, 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 until it quiets. So you're sitting here. This is stupid. It's not doing anything. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You look like an idiot. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Your floorboards are disgusting. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It happens. Maybe for you, stepping out of your comfort zone is actually opening up a real-life Bible, not a device, but a Bible, and trying to read the words on the page. Like, I know that sounds like I'm being, like, cynical. I'm not. I mean, just legit. Like, we, we're, we're just so digitally driven, and it's so handy, and it's so convenient. But, like, let's open up this amazing book and read through it. There's so many tools out there to help you. And if you don't want to bother with any of that, I suggest opening to the very center of your Bible. You're going to land in probably Psalms or Proverbs. If you love poetry, read Psalms. If you're like, I don't like to feel things, read Proverbs. It's full of wisdom. Okay, <laughs> I promise it will bless you. Again, set that timer for two minutes. Like take a small step in the direction of communing with your father. Or maybe you do all that. And if so, then I suggest you start writing down your prayers. And that may seem like kind of silly or not important, but we write down the things that we want to remember. And so why not write down our requests to the Father if they really mean that much? And I also think we have a tendency to think that God never answers our prayers, that they're just like out floating in space, never to be heard of again, when in actuality, I think sometimes we just forget what we even asked for. Like let's, let's look back at what we asked for two years ago and see, see what he did. See, see the fruit in your life. 
And then lastly, a way to, to seek intimacy with the Father and to, and to grow your passion for him. And this is just to participate in this prayer that we do every week here at Echo. We call it our surrender prayer. And for many people in the room, um, this is a prayer they've done many times. It's a prayer that uh, maybe you even have memorized by now. But I know there's at least a few in the room that have never said any words like this before. And I don't want to skip over the significance that these words can have in your life. Because there's something really, really powerful that happens when we say, God, not my way, your way. When we say, God, you're, I don't have control, you do. Lord, <laughs> take over my life. Take over my heart. God, help me to chase after you. Because just like we all have a passion for something, that means that we're definitely chasing something. And I don't know what you're chasing as you come in here today, but I'm sure some of you are chasing something that the fruit is not so good. Whether that's a relationship that's not healthy, whether that's a certain status of a job. If I only just get to this point, then I'll be happy. If I only make this much money, then I will be happy. Maybe you came in here carrying depression, anxiety, and you just think, oh, that's just not for me. Freedom's not for me. This is, this is how I was built. This is how my mind works. Lies on lies on lies. I promise you, the Lord made you with a sound mind. And when you chase after him over the things of this world, like you will see the fruits of the spirit in your life. You will feel that love and the joy. And even when you, when you don't feel it, you'll know it's there because God made us with feelings, but he is above our feelings always. We can have crappy days, we're allowed. <laughs> We're allowed to feel like absolute dirt. That's okay. That's why you have a community of believers to surround you and encourage you. And a father that never, ever leaves you. He's just waiting. He says, I see you, son. I see you, daughter. You're trying to carry all of this on your own, and it was never meant for you to carry and I'm right here with open arms. Give it to me. Give it to me, child. I won't break. <laughs> I won't stumble. He can carry us. I want you to stand to your feet as we recite this prayer together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers. Amen. Guys, can we just clap really quick for anyone that said that for the first time? Can we just show how much they are loved by God? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. 
as we enter this time for worship, let's just, let's bow our heads again and let's just um, acknowledge the, the good Lord in this moment. God, thank you so much for this time. God, thank you so much for every beautiful child that is in this place. Lord, help us to truly see ourselves as you see us in this moment. Help us to understand the love that you have for us. Help us to truly run to you as we sing this next song. Help us to surrender whatever it is we're chasing so that we can simply be held by our Father that we can know the love of a heavenly father that never ever leaves us. That we can't escape, that we can't even run away from because your love is just so relentless, God. Thank you, Jesus, amen.
thinking about what Pastor Sam was talking about when she was talking about passion. I'll tell you one of the passions that I have is my job. I really like what I do. Um, I get to help people do some really cool stuff. And I've worked really hard to make myself to a place where I consider myself irreplaceable. Okay? I want to make myself important in what I do. And I read something last weekend that referenced this idea that, listen, you are replaceable at work and you are irreplaceable at home. Okay, so I had that, this, this is the context. This week we had some kind of unexpected turnover in my company. And so somebody left this week and honestly, like seven days later, next Monday or Tuesday, this coming week, it'll be like they weren't there before. Like everything will have been dispersed. Everything will be taken care of. Like they were completely replaceable. And I had to be kind of confronted with the idea right in my face that I am replaceable at work. And I love my job. I love what I do. But I am not replaceable at home. And I think it just speaks to the priorities. Like what's important? Our bank account says what's important. Our calendars say what's important. And I just am like, it's almost like this, like this, I was talking to, to, to my buddy Doug this morning and I was talking about this idea of just like maybe you grow a little bit in wisdom over time and things look a little different and you're starting to see things with different perspective. But I just feel challenged to be reminded, to, to be reminded that work is important. Be a provider. Be a provider for your family. Uh, lay a good foundation. Obviously, I'm a big believer in saving for the future. I can't really sidestep that one. That's something I think is important. Uh, but it's just funny to me how much how much energy and passion I put into something that I would have said, I like, I think I'm really good at my job, so I would have said I was irreplaceable. And I just was reminded this week, I'm not. And I, 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 like, I, I don't mean to step on toes, but it turns out you're probably not either. So just a challenge for this week. Now, one of the things we love to do at Echo is we love to, to just honor and celebrate. Would you guys do something with me? Let's celebrate Pastor Sam and just honor her and say thank you for today. You know, we've talked about this a few times, but it's really vulnerable to come up here and talk and like share from your life. And obviously Sam doesn't have a problem with the dancing part, but the rest of it like takes some, you know, it's just you're putting yourself out there. It's really vulnerable. So we just really appreciate Sam taking that step out. Another group of people we want to celebrate is those that came to Echo for the first time today. Come on.